Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. You're listening to our series, Anxious for Nothing. Don't forget to check us out online at www.newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Today we're going to finish up our series, Anxious for Nothing. I'm hoping that God has used this series in a big way to touch your heart and to help you not let anxiety take over your life and take root in your life. God, use today, Lord, please, to help somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this series is based on the most highlighted verse in the Bible according to the YouVersion app. Do not be anxious about anything. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Most shared, most highlighted verse in the entire Bible in the year 2019. But a valid question, and we asked this in week one, is this. Is it possible to not be anxious about anything, to be anxious about nothing at all? Well, as we've said in this series, Paul, who wrote this, wrote it in the present active tense. So he's not saying, you're never, ever going to be anxious. All of us are going to be anxious on occasion. But what Paul is saying here is, anxiety does not have to consume you. Now, we've been following the major sections of a book written by Max Lucado by the same name, Anxious for Nothing. If, if you've not read the book, I would encourage you to read it. If you deal with anxiety a little bit or you know somebody who does it's trying to work through it, it would be well worth it to get on Amazon or uh, some bookseller online and get the book and give it as a gift. It is that good. And that's what we've been doing. We've been following those four main sections for our four lessons in this series. I quoted Max week one. I'm going to do so again. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. The presence is unavoidable, but the prison is optional. And thankfully for us, God has given us the antidote to anxiety in Philippians chapter four, verses four through eight. Five verses that we've been walking through in this series and hopefully we've been memorizing. Hopefully we've been memorizing them because I want these, these verses to take root in your heart so that anxiety will not. That's what I want. Now we've read them out loud every week in this series and so uh, we're gonna do so one more time. This is uh, last, last week Last week in this series, Last Dance. Some of you gotta be old to remember that song. Um, Philippians chapter four, beginning verse four, would you, would you at all of our campuses read it out loud together with me? Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is verse eight. This is where we're gonna find ourselves for most of our time today. And it really is truly about what we think. We're gonna, today what we're gonna do is we're gonna think about what we think about. We're going to think about what we think about. And it is true that in order to beat anxiety in our lives, we we really have to think about what we think about, which sounds redundant. It's it's not. You're going to see that in just a moment. But what I want you to do as we begin here today 
is just think about your thoughts in this way. Uh, you, you know what an air traffic controller does. They sit up in the tower, uh, the very tall tower at the airport. They have big windows. They have computers in front of them. They have a set of binoculars. And they watch flights all around them on the computer and so forth. So imagine at any moment there's a, there's a lot of planes in the air. But the air traffic controller gets to determine which thoughts get to land. And that's how I want you, that, which planes get to land, that's how I want you to see your thoughts. You're gonna have a lot of thoughts flying around in your head, but you get to, ter- to determine which one gets to land and take root in your heart. So on your listening guide, this is a truth that I want you to, to hear. You can't control every thought that flies into your mind, but you can control which ones you allow to land. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is talking about anxious thoughts overtaking us. Week one, week one, if you, if you were here, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. The Lord who, remember, the two pillars, the Lord who's large and in charge, the Lord who's large and in charge, and, and the Lord who's good. God is large and in charge, and God is good. So if we place ourselves between those two pillars, the downpour of anxiety is not gonna get to us as much as it would, okay? Then in week two, he told us to find the root of what we're worried about and pray specifically and therefore powerfully about that thing, and we do so with proactive gratitude. He said, pray with thanksgiving. Is when you pray with thanksgiving, that means God's gonna do something about this. He's gonna, he's gonna help me through this, okay? Now we've arrived at, at, at the final verse for this series, verse eight, and in verse eight, Paul tells us to be intentional about what thoughts we allow to land in our minds. He gives us a list of things, and then he says, and I want you to circle it, he says right here, what? Think about, circle that, think about. And then I want you to, after you circle that, draw an arrow down to the Greek word logisomai. Say that with me, logisomai. Here's how you can remember how to pronounce it. I almost drew this for you, but it's a little bit too much. Imagine standing there and there are some very low-flying geese and they're headed right for you and you're pointing and then there's a bubble over here which says logisomai. Okay, that's how you you pronounce it. (laughs) Logisomai, which means to reckon, count, or weigh. Reckon, count, or weigh. And I just want to show you that these are all facts. We're dealing in facts here. We're dealing in truth, all right? So for instance, if you weigh, your your weight is not what you write on a form at the DMV, okay? Your weight is when you stand on the scales at the doctor's office and they write it down, okay? So we're dealing with facts here. This is logisomai, it's also where we get our words for logic and logical. Paul is saying here, if you wanna win the battle against anxiety, you got to deal in truth. You gotta go to the truth. Now I wanna show you how God wired us, only because I think it's gonna help you to understand what's happening in us physically, in our brains, when anxiety overtakes us. There's a part of our brains that is all about the emotion and then a separate part of our brains that is more logic driven. The part of our brains that controls our emotion is called the amygdala. 
the amygdala. Very, very small, right up in here, okay? Uh, very small, but very powerful. It's mission control when it comes to our emotions. And then the main part of our brain that is more truth and logic driven is right up here up front. It's the prefrontal cortex. This is right up front. It is large, but it's not always in charge. The amygdala is much smaller, but oftentimes takes over. And you know what I'm talking about, okay? But they're designed to work together. The amygdala is almost automatic, whereas you have to kind of train the logical part of your brain. Um, when, I, when I was a kid, I had nightmares on a regular basis. I ruined it for my whole family because they liked to watch the Twilight Zone and stuff, and then I would have bad dreams, and so mom had to ban us from watching any show that had anything scary whatsoever, and it was stupid Tim's fault. Okay, so, but I, had, I just had bad dreams. I remember, I remember, I remember the home we lived in at the time. I remember where my bedroom was. I remember where my bed was. I remember waking up in the middle of the night terrified. And I felt like I was awake sometimes, but I could still see things happening in the room. Uh, for instance, it would be the clothes hamper over here, and all of the clothes came up out of the clothes hamper and formed into bodies, you know, so there'd be a shirt with legs, with pants, and then socks, and coming at me around the room, like a Disney movie or something, you know? But it, hopping around the room and so forth, and, and I would be terrified, and I would yell for my mom, 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 and she would come running in the room, and, and or I would see creatures or something, but she did the same thing every time. She'd come in and sit on the bed, and I would be just like, my heart would be beating 100 miles an hour, and I would think that everything was real, and she would have to slow me down, she would say, it's not real. You're just having a bad dream. You're just having a bad dream. And I can remember the night, the night, guys, that I had a breakthrough. I woke up. I had to go to the bathroom real bad. I woke up, and I pulled my covers back, and I started to put my feet on the floor. But when I looked down, there were crabs. Don't ask me why. There were crabs <laughs> that were like this big all over the room, just like stacked up in the room and then out in the hallway, and they were fluorescent. Don't ask me why. Might have had something to do with HR puffing stuff. I don't know, but. But there are crabs everywhere, and I can remember, oh no, I can't go to the bathroom. I'm gonna go in my bed if I don't go to the bathroom. And, and then I did this, and I, I know I was half asleep because I was seeing crabs in my room, okay? But I just said, they're not real. They're not real. They're not real. And I put my feet on the ground, and the millisecond that my feet touched the ground, they all disappeared. And that was the end of my bad dreams. And what, what, what happened at that moment, I was just a kid, but I took a step of faith into the truth. You with me? Works for adults too. When we have anxiety, the emotional part of our brain releases all these signals and chemicals and it puts us into that fight or flight mode. And the, but the problem with the amygdala is, its number one objective is this, just to protect us. It doesn't always think through things, it just thinks you protect, protect, protect. You gotta fight or you gotta get out of here. Uh, like we said in week one, you see something that makes you fearful. That fight or flight kind of kicks in, the, 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 but then the logical part of your brain says, oh wait, wait a minute, wait, wait. I'm at the zoo, yeah, and it's behind glass. It's gonna be okay. It's still scary, but we're, but we're okay. Don't act a fool, we're, we're gonna be all right. Both fear and anxiety trigger the amygdala and release chemicals for this fight or flight mode. But remember the big difference here. Fear sees a threat and reacts. Anxiety imagines a threat 
and continues and continues and continues and continues to put us into that fight or flight mode. Like we said in week one, those uh, what ifs come pouring down. Listen to me, fear, healthy fear is a blessing because it keeps us safe. Anxiety is not a blessing. Anxiety is not a blessing. And if we allow anxious thoughts to land and to linger, they can put us in that constant state or fight or flight. And there are studies that tell us that if, if, if we react the same way every time, that we kind of wire our brains to react that way after a while, and we do the same often not good reaction, often we behave in wrong ways. And here would be an example. We get anxious, overwhelms us, and so we drink too much. We start to abuse drugs or we isolate ourselves, or we get abrasive with the people who we are supposed to love. We can't sleep at night, it affects our job, and so forth, and I'm just telling you, it doesn't have to be this way. You can, you can think about what you think about. You can retrain your mind. And that's what the Apostle Paul's saying in verse eight. He tells us to think about certain things. He's telling us to not let this overtake us, to be rational in the way we think and to base our thoughts on the truth. Let the right thoughts be the thoughts that you dwell on. You have to think about what you think about. What are you dwelling on? Because listen to me, not every thought that you think is worth thinking about. It's not worth it. And so if I'm gonna allow God to retrain my mind, what am I gonna think about? Well, the Apostle Paul says, I got your list right here. I got your list right here, verse eight. The New King James Version uh, says meditate on these things, meditate on these things. I love that word, and here's one of the reasons I like it, because if you look at the titles to all of our lessons throughout this series, week one was celebrate who God is, week two is ask God for help, week three is list, today meditate on what's good, it spells out calm. Paul is teaching us how to be calm. Now let's talk about meditate for just a moment. I think it's often a misunderstood word. A lot of Eastern religion uh, and meditation is about just emptying your mind. Is that what the Apostle Paul is telling us to do when he says to meditate? Is to kind of sit there with their legs crossed in the corner, hands upright, uh, eyes closed, humming out loud. Of all the verses I found in the Bible about meditation, none of them say empty your mind. In fact, just the opposite is true. Every verse about meditation talks about filling your mind with something, with the right thing. Psalm chapter 119, verses 15 and 16. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your your decrees. I will not neglect your word. To battle anxiety, you don't need to empty your mind. You need to fill your mind with what's good. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say that this empty jar represents your mind. But our minds are never really empty though, right? Well, most of us, most of us are never really empty. And we all know that we don't control every thought that comes our way. Week one, we call these the what if thoughts. What if I lose my job? What if something terrible happens to my family? What if I walk in and I look stupid? What if no one loves me? What if I never overcome this anxiety? What if everyone finds out that I'm some sort of a fraud? What if I never find real love? Anxious thoughts happen, and so I'm gonna illustrate these today with thumbtacks, okay? So anxious thoughts get into our minds. So what do we do with them? 
Eastern meditation says, sit down, cross your legs, get in the corner, start to hum, and just empty your mind, just empty your mind. And so I guess if this actually worked, that every time something bad, every time you had a bad thought throughout the day, that you would have to go over in the corner and sit down again and hum again and get to get it out, which means if this were true, I would be in the corner of my office about 80% of the time during the day. Would anyone join me in the corner of the office, all right? Okay. But honestly, we can't really keep our minds empty. It's impossible to have an empty mind for more than a millisecond. Something's going to go back in, and if you don't follow the Apostle Paul and what he's teaching here, what happens is not only do those anxious thoughts that you tried to get out come back in, but now you have more anxious thoughts because you've been sitting in the corner humming and not getting things done, and now you're further behind, all right? Listen, <clears throat> Satan wants your mind filled with junk. He wants you stuck. Satan wants you paralyzed with fear. He wants you ineffective. But God wants the opposite for you. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to be effective. He wants to work through you. And so God tells us, instead of trying to empty your mind, which never really happens, a better way to handle this would be to fill your mind up <clears throat> so much with good things uh, that those anxious thoughts won't even fit in there, okay? And according to God, we get to choose what goes into our head and what gets to stay. That's what the Apostle Paul said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, we take captive, I want you to circle that word captive. This is on your listening guide, isn't it? Okay, circle captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So as a Christian, you have the ability to take captive your thoughts. And what's so powerful about the word captive here is it literally means to take somebody captive with a weapon like a spear or a sword. So do we have, do we have, do we have weapons? We're, we're Christians, we're, we're, we're nice people. Do we have, do we have weapons that uh, we can take a thought captive? Absolutely, Ephesians chapter six, verse seven. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So right here's your sword. The Bible is your weapon. So God says every, every thought that comes into your mind and tries to make it itself at home in your mind, you take it captive and you make it obedient to Christ. Now, on your listening, God, I've put Paul's list of thoughts that he is telling us to think <clears throat> next to, okay, next to the jar, but then across from the, uh, across from the thought that he says to think, on the other side is the opposite. And the, the, the way that I got to the opposite here is I looked up this word in the Greek, looked for the, the definition out of the Greek, and then flipped it, and, and put the opposite over here. So this is the antithesis of this, okay? You with me? We're gonna do this for each and every one. Uh, this, you know, we could do a sermon on every one of these. We're not, we're gonna finish it right here, okay? <clears throat> so when imaginary dangers or what ifs start to rain down, like you think, man, I'm so weak. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to, to do what I need to do. What do we do? We take it captive and we make it obey the truth of scripture. When I am weak, he is strong. How about that? Or maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be alone. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm always going to be alone. The truth is he will never leave you or forsake you. Right? right? You see what we're doing? We're taking the, the scripture and we're making that thought obedient to the scripture. Or how about this? Uh, I'm worthless. 
I have no value. The truth is you are a child of God, or I'm not lovable. The truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. You see what I'm saying? You've got this anxious thought coming in, you overpower it, you take it captive with the truth of scripture. Or maybe you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. I just don't have what it takes. Actually, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you to empower you. Maybe you think, oh, I'm never gonna overcome this anxiety. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength, amen? You take the thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. So here's what I want you to do. Put it in the jar. Put it in your mind is what we're saying here, okay? And I'm not gonna preach that much on each one, I just wanna show you this, okay? Whatever's noble, whatever's noble. The opposite of noble here would be thoughts of no value. If you're thinking worthless thoughts that take you deeper into despair, lift your head up because you are of nobility. You are a child of God, therefore think noble thoughts. Put that one into the jar. Next one, whatever's right, whatever's right. And the opposite of this would be thoughts that are inconsistent with God's word. You take that thought captive and you focus on what God says is right, not on what the world says is right about you or any other subject. The world says, you hear this more and more lately, the world says living for God is a sign of weakness. If you, don't do this, but if you read Christian articles and then read the comment sections of the Christian articles, you get a lot of people in there that are saying, I can't believe you believe in a mystical fairy God in the sky and so forth. People are just hard, man. You're ignorant if you believe in God and, and so forth. Listen, maybe you're allowing some of those thoughts to land. It's time to replace them with thoughts that are right and consistent with what God says in his good word. And if you need some verses, I'm gonna tell you how to find them. If you need some good, like you're having an issue with this anxious thought and you want a good verse for it, here's how to find it. Google, seriously, Google. If you just Google, about a Bible verse, about any subject, you're probably gonna find 25 or 50 verses. I would pick one and memorize it so that when that anxious thought tries to land, you can take it captive with the word of God. Then circle that one, put it in there. Whatever is pure, as opposed to unwholesome. So much unwholesome stuff out there today. Wow, wow. I just started working on this sermon for today when the Super Bowl happened. Good game, by the way. But uh, you would think that someone who is going to put together a halftime show that was gonna be seen by a billion people and families everywhere, that they would have thought for like three seconds about what would be appropriate, you know where I'm going with this, what would be appropriate for kids and others to be watching, and I'm just saying the world standard is different than our standard. The world standard is different than our standard. And you can shut off those thoughts sometimes with a TV remote control. Okay, whatever is pure. Put that into the jar. Next one, whatever's lovely. Whatever's lovely. Lovely would be something that is perfectly acceptable. Perfectly acceptable as opposed to something that is unacceptable. So many thoughts try to land and stay in our minds that are not lovely. Take it captive, make it obedient to Christ. Think 
lovely, perfectly acceptable thoughts. Then whatever is admirable. This one, let's go a little bit deeper on this one. The word for admirable here means uttering words of good outcome. Admirable. Uttering words of good outcome. So am I speaking toward the good that God can and will do because all things work together for good and for the glory of God, okay? So am I uttering thoughts about the goodness of God and what he's going to do, or am I focusing on the doom and gloom of what might happen as though God is not in charge and as though God is not good? Is, is, what's, is the thought that's in me causing words of good outcome to come from inside of me? If not, take that thought captive and make it an admirable thought. Next one, if anything is excellent, if anything is excellent, this word literally means a virtuous course of thought, a virtuous course of thought. The, the opposite of this would be thoughts that are unethical, unethical. To sit around, and if you're doing this, think twice now. If you're sitting around figuring out how to break the rules, bend the rules, maybe not break them, uh, about doing something that might be cutting corners. The, 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 the group of young men that were in our house last week for Revive Weekend, we were talking and just going deep on some things and one, one of them said, everybody's looking for a workaround. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good because it's the same thing right here. Everybody's looking for a workaround. Are you always looking for a workaround like you don't really have to obey? There's a well, you think it's a better way. If that's the kind of thought that you're thinking, if you're spending time looking for a workaround, stop and take the virtuous course of action, something that is excellent. The last one here, is it praiseworthy? The opposite would be not commendable. Is this a thought that I should be elevating in my mind or should I be replacing it with something that is worth taking up time in my mind? It takes time to think Time is life, what are you spending your life on? Spend it on praiseworthy things. Once again, I could have preached a sermon on every one of these, let's put this in a jar. Then he says this, think about such things. Think about such things. Now, I practice this, okay? I practice this and here's what's weird. Here's what's weird, I've been, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I've, Many of you, if you're brand new, you don't know, but I've spoken about it before. I'm, I'm like an introvert. I'm introverted, uh, and I don't, I'm not comfortable speaking in front of people. Which, when I tell people, they're like, whatever. Yeah, it's true, okay? Every week I just have like an out-of-body experience. I just, I'm standing up here right now, there'll be thousands of people in church today, I'm like, I'm not even here. It's kind of the feeling I have, like I'm just, I'm just doing this, and, but I try not to think about what's actually happening, okay? So I've had to fight some thoughts in my head, and I've been doing it for a long time. I found this this week. This is from my journal. I used to uh, write a journal on my word processor. It shows you how old this is. There were computers back during this time period, by the way. I just couldn't afford one. It's 1991. 1991. 
I came into the office Wednesday dragging. It was one of those mornings where there's so much on your mind you can't hear what anyone is saying to you unless you stare directly at their mouths and concentrate while they're speaking. I had to force myself to do mundane tasks, like picking a shirt up that fell off of the hanger as I fumbled for the one next to it. Everything was a lot harder this morning. I was overwhelmed. When I got to the office, I was telling the Lord all of my fears, one after another. I'm afraid this won't work. I'm afraid we won't get this done, et cetera, et cetera. Then in the closing line, I said, I give all of my fears to you. I was typing this on my word processor, as I often do, and when I arrived at the point, in, at this point in the prayer, I found myself unable to push the period key at the end of the sentence. I give all of my fears to you, supposed to be period. I mean, if I push that key, it would be a completed sentence, a completed act. So I hesitated, rereading and rereading, reading and rereading my list of fears. Do I really want to give all of those things to God? Finally, I gathered all the faith that I could find in my spirit, sent it to the fourth finger on my right hand, and when it arrived at my finger, the key was pushed without hesitation. Then I sat there, staring at the completed sentence. Wow, now that I've given all this to God, what am I gonna do? I found myself wanting to take a few back so that I could take care of them. But the message in that tiny dot at the end of that ironically painful sentence kept me away like a brick wall. The battle was over. I was the champion in defeat because where I am weak, he is strong. Within minutes, I began to sense the peace of God pouring into my soul. It kind of felt like one of those Pepto-Bismol advertisements on TV where the stomach is covered with a soothing pink medicine. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to hear this. As the fears left me, joy began to creep back in. I came in dragging the weight of my fears behind me. Now I wanted to dance, to talk to somebody, to get up and stretch. I couldn't wait till Sunday. What about my fears? What if they come true? Who cares? God is in control. They belong to him now. That's pretty good, isn't it? 1991. So here's the deal. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a fish out of water most of the time. And so, like when it's, when, it's, when it's time to preach, when it's time to get on the stage, I have anxious thoughts run through my head. Uh, thoughts like, well, what are you doing? You're not good enough. What, 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 what gives you the right to stand up in front of people and tell them what to do? And I have to overcome that with the Word of God. It's not about me, it's about God's Word. I'm not good enough, but God is good, amen? And so I'm going to talk about the Lord. What if this sermon falls flat, which is a reoccurring fear that I have? I know this is true, though. God said, my word will not return to me void. It will accomplish the purposes for which I sent it. And so what I know is that I'm not good enough. But what I know is that God is good enough. And what I know is that at our campuses today, there's somebody that's spending too much time over here. You got too much of this in the jar. And I'm just telling you guys, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go, time to let it go. And start thinking the thoughts that God wants you to think. Thoughts that are gonna make your life better. Make you a better person. 
make you a better spouse, make you a better parent, better grandparent, better coworker, someone that the Lord can use more. And maybe there's somebody struggling today with anxiety and you're thinking, man, I, I'm not worth anything. I have no value. Let me tell you about your value. You have so much value that the Bible says that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to this world to die in your place. You think you don't have value? God gave his son for you. That's the truth of scripture. And so today, if you are struggling with this, it's time. It's time for you to give that fear, give that anxiety over to God and replace it with the truth of God for your life. You're loved and you are of great value and God wants you to be in his family. Somebody say amen if you believe that. All right, would you stand with me please? So today, if you need to make a decision for Christ, like you don't know Jesus is Lord and Savior, or you've never accepted him personally into your life, prayer partners will be right down here at the front. You can uh, come and see them before you leave this place, or if you need prayer just to help you through some things this week, man, we'll pray for you. We'd love to pray for you, okay? Let's bow. God, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for watching over us and giving us every good and perfect gift. Lord, I'm sorry that we get off in the weeds thinking too many thoughts about the things that we shouldn't even be thinking about. And I pray that today we would think about what we think about and that we would change our thoughts so that they would be honoring thoughts to you and they could take us deeper into the grace and into the love and into the purpose that you have for us, Lord. I pray all this in your son's name and all the people said. God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.